Hi everyone, this is Zoom, a podcast by students at KU Leuven's Faculty of Arts. I'm Lisa, and I will be your host this episode, and joining me is my friend Karen. Hello everyone, I will be your reporter today. Let's get this podcast started then, shall we? Yeah, let's do it! Friends takes me back so much to that 90s vibe. Oh my god, yes, I love Friends. Like, even though it's an old show, I'm still obsessed with it. Yeah, no, I love it too. Did you hear about the fact that Netflix wanted to cancel Friends from their selection and then people were really upset? Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? And under all this pressure, Netflix decided to keep it. And according to the New York Times, they paid $100 million to do so. I think it's really remarkable that so many people are still into that kind of show. People still identify with that vibe, I think. Yeah, and you can see this in other things as well, like clothing or other things like Polaroid cameras or even music. I feel really connected to this nostalgic lifestyle. Yeah, me too. And this is weird because we don't really have any emotional connection to these things. You would think that in the time we're living now, everyone would be obsessed with the future instead of looking backwards. That's true, but I notice that everyone our age and millennials are experiencing the same thing. Especially in this country, we're like very much into nostalgia. Personally, I think nostalgia is very present at the moment. We, we tend to go back into our memories like, oh, everything was way simpler back in the 90s or early 2000s. We didn't have all these smartphones. Time with less problems, less less complaints and just like a fun time and I think that's why the nostalgic vibe works today. You know, I've been really wondering why this is for a while now, which is why I did some research. Apparently the term nostalgia comes from the Greek words nostos and algas, meaning homecoming and pain. It was first used in 1688 by a Swiss doctor called Johannes Hofer, who wrote a dissertation about it and called it a neurological disease of essentially demonic cause. In fact, the term nostalgia seems to have had a bad connotation for quite a long time, which is not what we might think. The cultural critic Svetlana Boim even wrote a book about this, introducing two kinds of nostalgia, restorative and reflective nostalgia. According to her, the so-called restorative nostalgia is the dangerous fantasy that the past was better and we should try to recreate it. And she even suggests that this always ends up in violence and disaster. The other kind is called reflective nostalgia and is said to promote and foster progression in life. It's when we look at the past fully aware that we can't return to it, but take inspiration, hope or direction from it. So, all in all, nostalgia appears to be very present in our society. And for the next 10 minutes, we will try to get into the depths of it. So, as most of us know, retro style and the idea of nostalgia have become very popular in recent decennia. It's like we're living in an era of nostalgia, and this is exceptional for an age like the 21st century. Peter Vermeulen, professor of American literature from the arts faculty, was willing to help us by giving information about the phenomenon. The scholarship on the notion of nostalgia 
Every article will tell you that it was coined by this Swiss guy in the late 17th century to refer to the experience of Swiss soldiers in the lowlands, right? So, which is to say that nostalgia has been around as long as the modern world has been around, right? It's, uh, it's always been a way of dealing with very often displacement, uh, people who are displaced from their home country because they have to fight in a war, people who have to flee their country because a war is ravaging their country. The reason that we also feel that it's more prevalent now than ever, I think has a lot to do with the kind of society we live in, which is a capitalist society in which people want to exploit particular feelings, desires, anxieties, by bringing it to the market. What I can say is that as long as I have been alive, there has been this wave of retro movements or remakes of films or reimaginings of old story and so on. So um, part of that has to do with modern culture in general, which is scary and unstable. Another part has to do with the fact that there's good money in exploiting that kind of emotions. So it's actually not a very recent phenomenon, which I think is quite striking because you would think that we would only be looking forwards because we're so surrounded by technology and we wouldn't feel the need to look backwards. Or just not. I mean, I think the future is scary sometimes. The 80s and 90s have more of a laid back vibe, like just take it easy. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Even though we haven't personally experienced it. And nevertheless, I feel like this modern nostalgia is mostly something people our age identify with, though, don't you think? Yeah, you think that mostly elders are affected by this nostalgia because they're always saying, oh, everything was so good back in the day. But recent studies have actually revealed that the nostalgic lifestyle is typical of us millennials and youngsters, which I think is also very striking. You would think that we would only be looking at the future. I talked about this with Professor Vermeulen as well, and he had a very good explanation for this. I can definitely relate to the sense that the retro lifestyle is mostly associated with millennials or people like you who are younger than millennials. One reason for that is, I think, a very cynical one, which is, again, that people like you or people a bit older than you are beginning to earn money and have money to spend on these past-related or backward-looking products. I can easily imagine that growing up when I, was, when I grew up, And especially before that, the sense of an open future in which things were still possible, in which a different life was still on the table, has disappeared a bit. One aspect of that, which I think is much more a reality for your generation than for mine, is climate change. The idea that, that the world will not continue the way it does for many more decades. A second aspect, I think, has to do with the fact that all the great things that capitalism used to promise us and that science fiction used to promise us, you know, flying cars, eternal youth, uh, things like that, exciting jobs, stable careers, that these things have become much more uncertain. It's, I think, quite logical in such a condition not to look to the future for alternatives to what's going on here, but to try to make something of elements in the past. I still had a future when I was young. Uh, these things have changed a bit, I think. Um, 
So that's a depressing news there. Depressing news indeed. I didn't realize it was that bad. So this is perhaps a very negative reading of contemporary life, but it's not like this nostalgic experience has to be a miserable one for us. Professor Vermeulen does think that their certain disappointment explains the backward orientation of a lot of contemporary culture. So the fact that we're hanging on to nostalgia. I myself think that there is nothing like the comforting embrace of the past when you were a kid and politics didn't exist in your worldview because you were too busy watching your favorite TV shows. It's a return to an analog life, one without the internet and the weight it carries. I think that's why I like to watch TV series or films that are situated in the past. They make me feel more relaxed and at ease than for example futuristic films. Maybe this is why streaming giants like Netflix would invest so much money into keeping old school shows and movies like Friends alive. And they're even making new such series like Stranger Things or Maniac. Well, apparently, they're not just doing it for any reason. There's a whole explanation to why exactly these shows are so popular. One difference between Netflix and other production companies is that Netflix has a lot of data has very powerful algorithms to determine what their audience or their audiences like. So they know very well what kind of content they need to produce to target a particular audience. One of the things Netflix very carefully does is make sure that one particular demographic, in this case, young guys, or no longer young guys my age, are targeted in particular ways. And I'm sure that a series like Stranger Things appeals to other demographics, other age groups, uh, through different triggers. So uh, the bigger point we can draw from this, I think, is that nostalgia is a very different experience for different groups of people, for different individuals. So as you can see, Netflix knows what it's doing. Yes, they know how to reach out to different groups of people by using nostalgia. Yeah, that's something I would like to talk about as well. A phenomenon called nostalgic marketing. So the fact that companies like Coca-Cola or Calvin Klein are using retro or nostalgic advertisements to promote their products. Because I think it's a very common thing in society nowadays. It's like every ad that I see has this nostalgic feeling to it. And it works. I mean, have you seen the most recent Calvin Klein video campaign? The models are walking around in a house fully furnished in the 70s retro style. They're driving old cars and listening to music with Walkmans. I've never been that big a fan of the fashion brand, but with this retro vibey approach, all of a sudden it does appeal to me. It's so crazy. Yeah, and companies are smart in their way of marketing products. One other feature of the increased popularity of nostalgia is definitely the fact that big companies are now using retro elements to market things like Coca-Cola or um, Calvin Klein clothes, right? So uh, I do think that's a significant um, development. And when you read through the marketing literature on these things, um, it also seems to have uh, some kind of neurological basis. Being exposed to elements that make us nostalgic apparently make us happier, give us a stronger sense of community and in the most cynical text I encountered tell you that you begin to care about money less when you feel nostalgic, which means it will be easier for you to spend that money on the project that, or on the product that makes you nostalgic. I read an article on this as well. A professor of psychology at the University of Southampton, Dr. Tim Wiltshut, has found in his studies that nostalgia can increase social connectedness, boost self-esteem and foster a sense of continuity across time. But was it always this welcomed? At least till the year 2000, nostalgia was seen as a very depraved, kitschy, immature way of longing for a simpler and 
happier past. One critic said at one point that nostalgia is to memory what kitsch is to art. So art and memory are serious things, kitsch and nostalgia are the childish version of that. So that's an old way of thinking as nostalgia, as something that makes you relate to reality in an inauthentic, escapist way. Fleeing away from current concerns into a fake past, right? So what has changed and what this marketing development, I think, plays into is the sense that nostalgia also has its uses, right? That both psychologically and culturally, nostalgia is sometimes necessary. So nostalgia works particularly well in marketing and advertising because of the emotional bond that consumers form with the product or service and because it just gives us this happy feeling. What really stood out for me though is that nostalgia used to have such a negative connotation. Well yeah, as I said, I didn't think that nostalgia used to be negative. I cannot really imagine it having that kind of effect on people. But of course, we live in different times now. Yes, to find a good answer to that, we need to take a step back and look what happened during World War II. One part of that negative evaluation of nostalgia clearly had to do with what happened in Germany in the first half of the 20th century, right? The Blutenboden ideas of the Nazis were often seen as a very violent, destructive form of nostalgia to an easier life in the country, which made the Nazis oppose anything that endangered that impossible fantasy, and hence the Holocaust. Of course, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Now, since we are literature students, I would like to know if nostalgia is a phenomenon that lives in novels and poems as well. Well, yes, I was interested in that too. And since Professor Vermeule teaches American literature, I thought I would ask the question. When you look very specifically at literature, one of the things that strikes me when you think of nostalgia and literature together is that literature, and I'm talking here about great literature, has always been very good at doing nostalgia, right? And many of the novels I teach in my American literature courses are deliberately nostalgic exercises which try to connect their contemporary readership to the reader, to the recent past. When you look at contemporary American literature, that's the case too. It's one of the most striking things in the last year, for instance, or in the last couple of years, I should say, is that we've seen a couple of uh, novels that return us to the year 2000, which in the American historical imagination is the year before the attacks on the World Trade Center in 2001, a year before the world became a nastier and more complicated place. Another development, which we will see in the next couple of years, I imagine, is that a lot of novels will return a couple of years to imagine the period before Donald Trump as an easier period to feel nostalgic about. So, nostalgia and literature, I think it's a big issue and I think it's a good marriage in many ways. Well, I don't know about you, Karen, but I am quite satisfied with our little investigation. It's something ever-present in our lives, but we don't really think about it in deeper terms. Yes, I'm also happy with what we've discovered. It's not something people think about every day. Understanding the evolution of nostalgia through time has helped to picture its contemporary facets. It really has a scientific foundation as well, even though it seems like this kind of ungraspable human emotion. As we've discovered, nostalgia in today's society is present in TV series, cinema, literature and even in publicity on TV. It shapes our mindset, our feelings and our actions more than we thought it ever would. 
We hope this episode of Zoom has inspired you as well, and perhaps, if we keep reasoning that nostalgia spikes positive feelings, made you happy. Yeah, that would really make our mission complete. We would like to thank Professor Vermeulen for his immense help with his interview, the people who are willing to answer some questions about the topic, and Ms. Bonancy for coaching us through the project. The Zoom tune was provided to you by Joshua XXX and the sound fragments are from freesound.org.